Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome again to Redemption Meditations. As always, I am Lee, joined by Dana and Steve. Good evening, fellas. How art thou? Doing well. I art well. <laughs> Glad to know you can make good art. Uh, so, Happy New Year, by the way. First, first episode of 2024. Uh, we've made it this far. Uh, which is quite a quite a feat of God's providence, and uh, we'll keep going on from here. Uh, what better topic, I think, to begin the year with? And if I had come up with this on my own, I would have really patted myself on the back. But, um, but to nerd out a little bit on uh, on the Bible, uh, um, go down a few a few rabbit holes, maybe make some recommendations even before the library ladder, uh, and. Um, and just talk about talk about the Bible a little bit and some nuts and bolts about reading and uh, recommendations for translations and even apps or, or things like that. So um, I guess just to, to start with, um, what do you guys when you are reading the Bible on your own, you know, how are you how are you reading it? Are you reading it in a paper Bible or on a screen? Do you use the ESV every day or do you use a different translation? What's your. What's your go? What's your loadout for, for private Bible reading and study? Steve, Dana? you first. I uh, probably ninety nine percent plus of of my reading is going to be either the ESV, which is the vast majority, or the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Those are my my two go to and virtually nothing else as far as my normal reading. If I'm studying something and we can get into some rabbit trails there, I may read a different version here and there, but basically it's going to be one of those two translations for me. Yeah. Uh, the vast majority of mine is ESV and, and I can get into a little bit later why I did that. Um, but recently, last last year for Christmas, somebody got me a Legacy Standard Bible, and Woo-hoo. that Bible sits next to my uh, next to my chair at home where I do my reading, and um, it is my sort of when I'm just like doing like I just am doing the the Bible reading program, um, uh, you know, through the year. So I'm 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 really going with that right now. It's January second, um, so I've done it twice. Um, but that's what I'm using is the Legacy Standard Bible, um, which is a newer version um, that so far I really like it. I, I think it's a good, easy reading type of it. The language flows in it really well. What about you, Lee? Uh, much the same. Uh, I do. I do say usually if I'm like preparing a lesson of some sort, I'm always using the ESV for it um, in my own private Bible reading it's usually been a mix of New American Standard and ESV, um, new, NASB 95 specifically. Um, and then when the Legacy Standard Bible came out, which was um, the they used the, the core text of the New American Standard 95 and then um, the translation committee um, out of Masters uh, also went back to um, the original languages as well and made a few tweaks. Um, and so the legacy standard Bible then kind of became its own thing or like sort of a cousin to the NASB 95. Um, and that's become my main personal reading translation for at least about the last year or so. Um, and, and continues to be, I really like it. I like the, it's, it's different from the ESV in enough ways that sometimes verses will strike me differently when I read it in LSB instead. Um, and so it's kind of nice to, to bounce around a little bit. Um, a thing I will say, but I'm actually going to, to turn this into sort of our next, our next piece is, um, there are different styles of translation and the style of translation that the ESV new American standard and, and legacy standard Bible, uh, are under are the same. Um, and then there are other translations. So there's often called what, what we might, what people will say word for word translation uh, or, or then 
phrase by phrase or thought by thought translations. So like the NIV 84, which is the superlative NIV translation, um, was a, a thought for thought uh, translation. A what did they call that? Dynamic equivalence. Yeah, is that the right yeah. title for that? Yeah, yeah. Would anyone like to opine on the difference between those those two approaches uh, to Bible well, the, translation? Yeah. Oh. So the dynamic equivalence, the the thought for thought, um, is is designed to actually communicate the basic message of the passage, as opposed to word for word, which is sometimes called, I think, formal equivalence, which is um, designed to like to to be a, a literal translation. Sometimes words don't translate easily. There are multiple passages that are like that, that um, in fact, it's, it's all over the Bible where you, you kind of have to figure out, well, what does this mean in Hebrew, like in English, right? <clears throat> or Greek in the New Testament. And so it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for yeah. translators. It has been for millennia. Um, but the, the dynamic equivalent or the thought for thought, it usually reads smoother. It reads how we talk. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's usually easier to read, especially from a at a literary standpoint. Level. Right. From a literary, yeah. yeah, I'm not talking like from a literal uh, meaning standpoint, but from an easy, like if you sit down to read the story of Ruth, for example, it's going to read like a, a little more. It's actually at a, almost like at a lower education level. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just it's like it's easier for everybody to understand. Yeah. Um, whereas the word for word translation can sometimes be kind of choppy. Yeah. And um, especially when you get in, sorry. A little clunky sometimes, you know. Yeah. And, and especially where like the word orders when you're translating, word orders get mixed up too. And so that kind of, uh, affects all of the translation too. You kind of have to get like a um, the word order in Hebrew is not going to be the same order in English, and so you have to kind of put it in the right order. And sometimes it makes it kind of clunky um, and and a little bit. I, I actually, the more time you spend in the Bible, I don't think it's hard to read. Um, there's right. passages that are more difficult, but the more time you're in it, the easier it gets. So it's just like anything else, right? When you're a kid. You read easier books, but they can get more challenging as you grow up. And so um, I think it's the same thing with the with the scriptures. Um, that's kind of the from a, a sort of the difference between the two, especially uh, looking at it um, positively. Mm -hmm. there, there's some negative ways to look at the differences, too. Um, and, and the negative ways are. Um, especially in the dynamic equivalence, when you're translating thought for thought, there's often the translate, this still happens in word for word too, but less often, but often the translators like commentary comes through. Um, I, I'll give you an example of what I mean. So in, this is my, probably the most, ex, um, most explicit example. Psalm 1 in the, in the NIV, and actually I think this is the newer, not the 84 that you referenced, Lee, but the yeah. newer NIV. But Psalm 1 starts like this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted Ooh. by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. So if you compare that, who is this one in person? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And that's the thing, right? So if you read that, there's, there's, uh, the commentary is we should be like that, mm -hmm. right? So I can take and put my name, replace the one with Dana, right? Yeah. We can put our name in there and say, well, if I do these things, then I will be blessed. Well, if you read it in, in, in Psalm, in the this is the King James, which I'm sure has Psalms in here somewhere. Psalm one one. This is a King James version. Says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, nor 
Um, there standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whosoever he doeth, he shall prosper. And then it goes on from there. The biggest difference there is you can look, read that, and you say, now, who is that man? Yeah. The, the NIV skips that step, that that dynamic equivalence translation mm -hmm. automatically puts that as the person, the, the reader. Right. That's what I want to be. But the problem is, is that none of us are that <laughs> there has to be a, there has to be a man between us. Right. Between the reading yeah. of that and and me. Or I will never live up to that. Like I will just always fail. I yeah. will never be. I will always sit in the seat of scoffers and etc. And so when we, when you read that and it says the man, you should be able to say, who is that man? And we find out later in the book, it's Jesus. <laughs> who's the Who's the man? Right. <laughs> so so it's not that the NIV is wrong. It's that I think it actually in in translating and it, their translation becomes a commentary and it skips because the other thing that it does is it means it says man. It means man. The word, the Hebrew word that means man, um, as opposed to person or one. Now, a woman can read it and come to the exact same conclusion. I should be like this. Right. Right. It's not it's not only restricted for men, but there is a man, there is a specific man with a name who's in the middle of that. Yeah. That that we should see that. We should see, oh, this is about Christ. Then when you know uh, our our my daughter or you know reads that, she's able to say, I can do these through Christ who strengthens mm -hmm. me. Yeah. So that that's kind of a little um, I think it's a big thing, especially through uh, if you're spending all of your time in the NIV. There was that trend of gender inclusive language long ago, long before the whole woke thing came around. Yeah. And it does it can eliminate some of that scarlet thread, you know, that we talk about throughout the new old to new testament. If you take out all the references to men and just make them people you're going to cut out some references to Christ, especially if you're not the sharpest on theology, which some translation committees are sharper than others. I think that's about all I'll say on that one. But yeah. uh, um, so you miss that. Uh, certainly you miss that in Psalm 1. Um, and pretty much, I, I think the only place on that score, uh, the only word that you really could verifiably turn into like, you know, brothers and sisters is that word Adelphoi that's used in the New Testament where it says brothers talking to the church when obviously that is a that was a gender neutral term to mean siblings in a family, brothers and sisters. So um, I, that's about the only time I think that would be appropriate for that because words really do matter in ancient words in languages nobody naturally speaks anymore still matter, you know. Uh, words in in biblical Hebrew and Koine Greek still matter. That's why I like a a, a word for word translation too. Uh, I feel like the those translation committees make pay more attention to those individual words in finding the best um, the best English equivalent for those. Uh, yeah, take I a think... word like like a word like Hesed, for example, in the in the Old Testament. You know, so in. Um, in ESV, you get steadfast love. So they actually turned it, turned that one word into a phrase uh, because there's no one word that can encompass it. And in um, in the New American Standard, it uses loving kindness, uh, which yeah. is one word, a compound word. Um, that's not the kind of thing you're going to find elsewhere. And, and in reality, has said is all of that and and a little yeah, more and more right? <laughs> right. There there isn't that's that's one of the challenges of translation is is that word is that's a perfect example because that word has said that describes um God's part of God's character or God's character it um it it there's no there's no sufficient English word for that and so you have all kinds of different translations that all kind of get to it but none of them are complete. 
So the, the example of, you know, steadfast love and loving kindness, um, you know, uh, uh, unrelenting faith, uh, faithfulness, like it's all of those things put together. Um, and they're still not quite getting to the meaning of that. Yeah. I think and uh, in, in thinking about trans translating the Bible and different translations, one of the things we have to acknowledge is that there, whichever version we're talking about, people are trying to strike this balance for between being very faithful to the exact words of the original language and writing something that anybody's going to understand. So if you you if we make this more modern problem, Shakespeare, the best literal English translation of Shakespeare is Shakespeare. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's in English. However, <laughs> if you took a bunch of uh, folks in 2024 and you just gave them that, there's a very good chance they would say, I have no idea what the last 20 minutes of what you read. Uh, I have yeah. no idea. So the answer, so my answer could be, assuming I was some Shakespeare expert, but it, my answer could be, okay, let me explain to you, I'll give you my translation of it. Well, to some extent, now this is a story they're getting by Shakespeare and good old Steve. <laughs> We're both authoring it in, in some ways. If So the balance is, I want to, on the one hand, I want to go word for word, but then it might be hard to understand. It still yeah. might be clunky. And depending on your reader, how strong a reader they are, that might be really difficult. Just like handing a six-year-old Shakespeare, good luck. Right. That you might <laughs> right. as well hand them Chinese. You're right. And at the same time, I don't want to rewrite. I don't want to take something that was written in Greek and in translating it into English sort of adding my name as another author, because basically I'm giving you my version right. of whatever the Greek is. So it's not easy stuff to do. Um, and so if you're way on one side of the camp or the other, it, it might be easy to just say those people over there are the problem. Now, I tend to like the word for word stuff better because I think the danger of becoming the author of what people are reading, thinking it's the Bible is super dangerous. Yeah. So I'd almost rather you struggle with the language a little bit than get creative with yeah, what I wish, the Bible I wish says. I, actually, I wish I could have read Psalm 1 in the message so we could... Actually, I'm going to find it. <laughs> a side-by-side -side comparison. Yes. Would you <laughs> Would you like this? Here we go. Uh, good. Go ahead. Uh, it might Psalm, be useful. I'm going yeah, like to do the first three, three <laughs> yeah. verses of Psalm 1 in the message. Good. How well God must like you. You don't walk in the in the ruts of those blind as bats. You don't stand with the good-for-nothings. You don't take your seat among the know-it-alls. Instead, you thrill to God's word. You chew on scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. So he fully puts the you in there. Uh, it's not just a man or, or a one. It's you. I think that's a perfect example of what you're talking about, Steve. Yeah, I think I, we would I, I all say you. we would all say that is not the Bible. That is somebody <laughs> telling you about the Bible and it's their vert. Like, I think that's fair. And maybe they would even say, that. hey, it's a it's a retelling of the Bible. Yeah, that, that's yeah. fine if you want to read that, but that's right. not the same book that the NASB don't do or devotions ESV with this book. Or don't do Bible study and don't <laughs> develop your theology from the message because that's some other dude's theology coming through for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I got to say, I, I don't hate that passage as much as others. Right. Um, because the, I could take that and say, well, it's, He's talking to Jesus there, right? I mean, you, you could kind of, now I'm just saying um, Peterson, Eugene Peterson would not, he, you know, it's clear this, this is not um, the Bible. It's, it's his yeah. translation or it's not even a translation. Yeah. It's his 
um, in his own words. And we do that. We do like I do that when I'm preaching. Sometimes you'll say you'll read a verse and it might even be it might be kind of hard to understand. You might say, you know, in other words, and then just kind of put it in your own words. That's what he's doing there. The danger is in publishing and people saying, oh, here's my Bible. And it's Mm -hmm. that that's the danger in it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's a bunch of other, you know, the living Bible, uh, started that way. You know, when I was a kid that came out, we were told, uh, no, you know, you, um, I, I went to a Christian school in L- for part of my time. And, um, so the NIV came out in 78, I think it was first published before then everybody just used the King James. This was the dark ages. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, there was no internet or anything like that. You had a King James Bible. That's what you used. And so growing up, and even when I quote John 3.16, when I'm preaching, I have to do it in King James. Now I do it just to do it that way. But that's what I learned it. And if I try to say it, and there's a few other verses too that are that way, but that one especially, if I try and say it, it automatically becomes believeth <laughs> like it automatically <laughs> yeah. goes into the King James coming out of my mouth. Um so uh so when I was when I was a kid we had just King James that's what we learned all of our verses in that's what we learned the NIV was still new and everybody kind of looks at new things with suspicion. So it really was the generation after me that started to embrace the the NIV and then it really wasn't at least in my knowledge at least in my circles, it wasn't until quite a bit later that all these other versions sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and, and, and I think it's actually a good thing that we have all, you know, at our fingertips now with, with phones and, and apps and on the computer that we have all kinds of different translations of both kinds so that we can do the work and figure out what the word actually says, because there's some tricky passages that are hard to translate. Um, and and so so this gets to maybe maybe I'm hijacking Lee a little bit. I don't want to take away from where you're where you're headed next, but this kind of gets to like um, we talked about what our favorite versions were, um, and then the the different kinds of translation. Um, do you guys ever use apps? Oh yeah. Yes. That was where I was headed next. So I'm glad you said, Oh, there you go. What app do you use? My favorite Bible app is called literal word. It's, um, it's free. I, I think it's free on both Apple and Android. And what it'll do, you bring up a passage, um, you can read it in several different translations, but the best thing, the most convenient thing I think is um, you can you can long press on it and it'll highlight all the words that have a um, um, that occur not only uh, like throughout the Bible. So certain words will be underlined. You tap them. It'll show you um, the definition of that word, uh, maybe yeah. even several definitions, de- depending on on different uh, Bible dictionaries. It'll tell you what the original word was in Hebrew or Greek, and then it'll tell you how many other verses in the Bible that that word occurs in. So if you want to do a word study and you don't know the languages, it makes it so much easier to try to get that work done. Literal word. I love that app. Yeah. I use that one a lot too. Yeah. I've used uh blue letter Bible, which does That's a great one. Basically the same thing Lee just said. And I think that it, for your Bible study, to be able to go and pull up the Greek or the Hebrew and to look for that Greek word in other places to help you better understand what this verse is talking about and to be able to do some of that. It'll have commentaries in there, but it'll have a lot of different things where you can can dig in a little deeper. If that's what you're doing, you're not just reading through these chapters today, but you're really digging in. Having some app or, or resource like that is so helpful. So I can see how many other times does this word appear in the New Testament and what does it mean in those verses in order to help me better understand what I'm studying right here, right now is just huge. 
Mm-hmm. It's just huge. And you talk about, you know, Dana was talking about, we just had the King James. There wasn't any internet or anything. <laughs> you would have had to have collected all these books. But even if all the books are on the shelf, it's not at your fingertips the way it can be now. Yeah. 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 Ability to study the Bible <clears throat> is so much easier than it was not that long ago. Right. It's great. It's pretty nice. Yeah, if I'm if I'm working on um, if I'm studying to teach either a sermon or Sunday school or something, um, I often just use Bible Gateway, and usually it's because um, and I I usually don't even use they have all the footnotes and um, all that kind of stuff and cross references. I usually I don't even use that. I usually just use the parallel. You can put two different versions in one in two columns, and if you want to know you know what does it say in the ESV and what does it say in the uh, King James or something like that, or the Geneva Bible. I mean, it has all kinds of them. Um, so you, but I mean, for me, when I'm studying, I've got about four versions that I typically will look at if I'm, if I'm struggling with a, with a verse, for example, um, of trying to get the meaning of the verse. Um, you know, after I've gone and looked at sort of done what the literal word does, um, or use the, I have a Strong's Concordance, a big, thick, I'm, a, I'm more of a paper guy than an app guy. And I'll use the Strong's Concordance and I'll try and figure out what the word actually is. But sometimes it's just helpful to put the versions next to each other so that you can see how they how they translated it. Um, there are pastors when they, when they preach or teach that will bounce all around in all kinds of different versions yeah. as they're preaching. I, I can't do that. Um I, once in a while, I will say, listen to how this is worded in the King James or NIV or something like that. But most of the time, I'm sticking with one version because I I find it I find it confusing and I want people to read their Bible. So I want to stick with the version that I've always used. Um, I, I think that to me, that's as a listener, somebody listening to sermons, that's helpful when they stick to the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of with you also, Dana, as far as I, I do prefer to have the hard copy in my hand. So I've got uh, Matthew Henry over the shoulder whoop, whoop. back here. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going to do a study, if I'm going to dig deep, that's one of my go to's. Right. Same thing. I've got a lot of uh, commentaries. Um, uh, A.W. Pink has done a bunch. Yeah. I've got some of his. I don't have them all. So I do, if I know, if I'm teaching through a certain passage or a book, I tend to get all the books out that are relevant to this particular book of the Bible. So I have them spread out. Yeah. I'll still go to Blue Letter Bible or one of the others to dig into the Greek or the Hebrew or whatever. But I, I like, same thing with reading my Bible. I like to have an actual physical yeah, Bible in my hand to read rather hey, than... My- read it off the phone or a laptop or something. I, it's just not the it same. It has to be a to moment of necessity for me to, to well, read I, it off of a phone or a, or a tablet or something. I think, I, I think it's even as, so we're all elders at the church, right? So amongst in ministry, um, I bring up, I, I have an actual, my preaching Bible, I call it that I bring into the pulpit with me every week. Um, and I use it. I, I open it up and read from it on. I want I think it says something. If I stood up there with an iPad, I could do that. I've got it. I'm talking to you on an iPad now. Right. I could do that. Um, first of all, no doubt it would lock up seven times. when the first time I try to do it, <laughs> Guaranteed. it. the Internet it would fail. Yeah, it would be it would be horrendous. Guaranteed. My Bible yeah. doesn't doesn't lock up on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't need to be charged. It doesn't have <laughs> right, batteries. Right. <laughs> but more like I want there's an image there too of I want people to see like this thus saith the Lord right I'm going to read we're reading in Ezekiel right now in our in our public reading of scripture I I want to stand there and and read from the papers and the same thing when you go on a visitation the f- first time so early in my ministry here at this at this church um, smartphones were just coming out. This is so 2012, 2013 in that area. And um, 
my mom gave me her old smartphone, which wasn't <laughs> an iPhone. It was some old, old, you know, thing. Old, and, terrible, original yeah, Android. Early, early in uh, the app age, I was out driving and I got a call that a lady in church was in the hospital and it didn't look good. And my Bible was back at the church. And I turned around and went straight to the hospital. They had said that it was good. Uh, it was going to be bad. And, um, and I'm like, well, I, I don't have a Bible. So I quickly in the parking lot downloaded an app or, or looked it up online or something so that I could read and, and to stand there and look on my phone and, and read Bible verses to somebody who's in distress. Yeah. I, now I have a Bible that I keep in my vehicle um, uh, for those car kind of emergencies. Like, yeah. Right. And uh, just for those kind of emergencies, because I want, it, it says something when you walk in and you have an actual book. I know the yeah. words are the same. I know the words are the same. I know that I can read it and, you know, the apps are great. They're terrific. But it says something when you stand there with a physical hard, hard copy of, of the Bible. And I think it's important. Books have gravitas. people to read it. They, they do have gravitas. Printed Bibles and, have and, gravitas. Yes. And, and, and the other part of that is, is we, we kind of joke about this almost sometimes. Like, we'll say think something like, um, now, where does it say, we'll have it in our mind. Like, we don't have the verse memorized, but we know what it is. And I don't remember even what book it's in, but it's on the left-hand side, halfway yeah. down. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in an app. Yeah. No. You know, <laughs> just keep scrolling. <laughs> it says somewhere. <laughs> That's what Paul Trust said. Trust me, right? it's that, in there. <laughs> That's what Paul said in Hebrews. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Okay. King, King James. <laughs> okay. I have, I have two questions uh, that are kind of related, but I'm curious. So one of the benefits of this age is also that we have new printed formats that Bibles come in. So I'm curious, have you guys ever used a, like a reader's edition, which is either, either completely one column per page uh, with verse numbers. Sometimes they come without verse numbers and or chapter numbers. Sometimes they're multi-volume. Have you ever used an alternative um, format before with or without red letters as well? I... Or has it always been two column standard? I don't think I have. You... I think I've always had a, a two column standard. Now, the, the one real different version that i have had at some point i don't think i have one anymore is a chronological order oh. bible which is kind of interesting esv i think it's uh, kind of Crossway neat put a new to ESV see one out. how this played out in real life in the real world and that, that yeah. i think those are kind of neat but i don't think i have had uh anything else i'm trying to think if i've had a one column yeah there you go Right there. ESV chronological Bible. I've had I've had some study Bibles where halfway down is the text and then like the last the bottom half of the page is commentary or explanation. That's yeah. probably the closest thing to what you're talking about. So I I really haven't done anything with I I, pro, I feel like I have had um there's some journaling Bibles too that are kind of similar. Um you might get like I think Crossway puts out some of the ESVs that'll be just one book of the Bible. Yeah, and I, I know I know churches scripture like, journals. Gonna, I think they call them. Yeah, if they're going to preach through a book of the Bible, they might give them out or, or have them available so that people could take notes in them. I think that's an interesting yeah. idea. I actually think it's a cool idea, but it's not something I'm gonna like. I use this virtually. I have I have what I call my preaching Bible is my study. Like this is what I use to study. This is for me, I want to use the same Bible all the time. I want to be familiar with it. I want to know where it is on the columns on the page. Um, yeah, I and I don't, I don't think it has to be an expensive one. I don't think it has to be wrapped in. Although, if those you are want nice. It, if you want it to last <laughs> a long time, sure. then you probably will want to go premium because my, not, not necessarily because of the goat skin and stuff, but for that sewn binding. Because a glued binding is going to come apart. I agree, and I have in my my truck Bible that I bring on visitation, whatever is 
a Bible that I've had for all of my years of ministry. It's a it's a thin line ESV. It's probably ten bucks. Actually, knowing me, someone left it at church, and I found it in a in a in a <laughs> lost and found or something. Finders keepers. On now. <laughs> and uh, like there are, I, I taught through Ephesians in a youth ministry setting for a long time. And I have greasy thumbprints on those pages, you know, because yeah. I've spent so much time in Ephesians. It's It was a cheap Bible um, as far as the quality of the construction of the Bible goes. And it, it still holds a place in my heart. <laughs> I, I use it when I go places. I read it to people often. Um, and it was a cheap one. This My preaching Bible is, is an Allen. I don't know what it is. It was... It's a good classic readers there. something. Yeah. And it's a crossway um, block, but it's rebound I, by I really Alan. Like it. I really like it. It was a gift. Uh, they put my name. It actually says Pastor Dana Kidder on the cover. I would not have done that, but it was a gift. Um, and I and I like it and I've grown to like it, even though the size is a little different than I wanted originally. Um, but I think it's because I just use it all the time. Yeah. I have yeah. a similar one at home, so I'm I'm using the Legacy when I'm when I'm reading at home the Legacy Standard. I have an ESV um, if I'm studying at home, um, which I do a fair amount of. Uh, I have a similar one to this that I leave there so that I'm I don't have to bring it back and forth and all of that. I usually would forget it somewhere. So, um, yeah, I I, th I think the familiarity, like get a Bible. If it's a good one, good. If you can do a good one, get a good one. It'll last for a long time. Um, a, an inexpensive one will last for a fair, fairly long time. Um, but use it, read it, and if it wears out, get another one. I mean, we live in such a a time where we can get anything. You know, like I've got a st I've got a stack of them up on a shelf up there that I would give to anybody. Um, we give them away all the time. I, I, yeah. Booyah. I had a, I had, I've given away twice. Um, maybe this will be a transition. I've given away the ESV study Bible. Woo -woo. Big, thick ESV study Bible. Um, I had one that I used for a long time. I gave it to somebody I was counseling. They didn't, they didn't have a, a study Bible. I gave it to them, um, bought another one. But a, a pretty nice one, not like a super expensive, but it had a it wasn't a hardcover. It was like a leather cover or something. Um, same thing. I ended up giving it away. Um, That's how it goes. So what do you what do you think about study Bibles? I'm not a Lutheran, so I'm pro study Bible. <laughs> <laughs> OK, if they're good ones, <laughs> I, I got a lot of good out of the ESV study Bible. Um that was the first study Bible I ever read, uh, and I learned a lot with that, especially in my early Calvinism days. Um, it's really the one that stands out most in my mind. Yeah, I, I think I had uh, an ESV. Uh, I don't know if it was the ESV study Bible, but it was uh, ESV with a lot of study notes and, and commentary and things like that, which is, uh, it was great. It was a nice thing to have right there on the same, same page. Now I tend to have separate books. I sit down with my Bible and other books so I can go back and forth. Yeah. I, I actually seldom use a study Bible anymore. Um, when I was first getting started, I think, uh, I used it a lot. Um, so I grew up with, I have right here, um, this is the MacArthur Study Bible, New King James Version that I've had, I don't know, probably since close to right out of high school. Um, I'm guessing, no, nobody's name's written in it. I'm guessing my dad probably gave it to me. Um, I used that pretty extensively all the way up until college. So probably through the 90s and early 2000s. Um, and then, then the ESV came, came out, the ESV study Bible came out and it was a marketing blitz mm -hmm. and I got wrapped all up in that. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It was just a marketing blitz. I mean, they really hammered yeah. it. And Crossway's really uh, good at marketing. Yeah. And, and they're, they're good at making nice quality 
put together Bibles yeah. too. Yeah. And um and I'm grateful for that. And uh I think the the ESV study Bible was the first one that was sort of pulling me into the reformed world. It was put together uh yeah. with that perspective. Yeah. Um and I and I I liked it. I, I like it. I don't have one now because I've given them away. Yeah. Um, which should say, you know, I like them because I give them away. Um I've I also given away Reformation study Bibles too. Yeah. I, I bought we have a one of the actually we may have both. There's two now. There's the original one, and then they come out with another one with lots and lots of notes. Yeah. so that my wife could use it um, or I could use it when I was at home. I bought it specifically to keep at the house. And um, like a month later, they announced the new one. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. And the new works. one, the new one is worth it. It's got tons and tons of stuff in it. Uh, the Reformation study about that's a uh, Ligonier Ministries, um, R.C. Sproul. Um, it's excellent. There's some really good study Bibles. I don't tend to use them very much anymore. And I think like Steve said, I usually have other books I think they're helpful. They're helpful if you're reading. Um, they're helpful if you're just studying something. Mm -hmm. um, for pastors, it's it, it, they're not really written for pastors. They're written for normal Christians to the understand laity. the text better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that I the the one actually that I do occasionally go to. This is this is um this always surprises people. Um, the Zondervan NIV Study Bible. <laughs> what? I I Sacrilege. got this. I got this for free at a conference uh, together for the gospel a few years ago, and I don't actually use the NIV because of what we talked about earlier. Um, but the study notes are great, and hmm. I I found it as for the study notes, it's been excellent. I, I recommend. It. I wish it wasn't the NIV. Um, <laughs> probably i guess i mean son crossway owns esv probably right so they yeah. published that um i wish it was a different version but um but the study notes are great um cool. i think da carson was the general editor and he's he's generally a trustworthy um mm -hmm. theologian oh, yeah. Uh, yeah i also have uh, we're still are we still going yeah. Go i also it. have um, I use this. This is really gets a little bit nerdy. This is a Hebrew Greek key study Bible and it's got, um, so it's oh, a King James oh. version, but it's got the, the Strong's numbers in them. So, oh, nice. uh, so when I'm, when I'm, when I want to know, like, what does this, what does this word giant mean? Mm -hmm. I can go and, and then look it up and translate. It, it's right here in this. It's a King James, so it even is a little bit different than the ESV. Um, but I use this one probably more, other than my preaching Bible, I, I use this one more than any of the study Bibles. You know, it's in a no, kind no, of a cousin no. category to the study Bible, too, there are also, and some of these are good and some of these aren't, where there will be Bibles that don't necessarily have like commentary in them, but they'll have supplementary material like for example uh crossway did one um the prayer bible it was called and it actually it was a full bible and then down where where study notes would be were actually either sections or entire written prayers that involved the pa one of a passage from that page that some christian theologian writer of some sort had written at some point and I, I and that was an interesting concept. Now you know um, that's helpful in some ways. Obviously, that's not going to work like a study Bible, but um, something like that I think is a very interesting concept in, in our in our time and space right now uh, with our what what we have the ability to produce. Um, and, and it's a little bit like the uh, church history study Bible that I mentioned on the last episode too, where the study notes are actually comments from theologians of the past on a passage from that page. I think that's a very interesting cousin to the study Bible. That's out yeah, there we, we have some um, uh, here at the church. Um, we bought a couple of copies of the creeds and confessions Bible. So it's got the Bible mm -hmm. and it's got several uh, reformed creeds and confessions in it. Oh, yeah. um, and that's helpful too. And I think this, this gets us at a different, another sort of uh, maybe a basic topic 
connected to it is what we believe about the Bible. And we don't have to go too far down this road, but we typically, um, uh, churches typically believe, we believe that the, that, um, the Bible is inspired and inerrant. And we, we usually like to say in the original languages, right. we like to specify that. So any of the commentary, any of the study Bibles or any of the, like the prayer stuff, any of that stuff, none of that's inspired by God. It is not inerrant. Um, we also are pretty quick to point out like chapter divisions and verse divisions are not, that's, that's added later. Um, and it's, it's traditional where they're in there now. Um, especially ch chapter verse divisions in particular, it's traditional where they are. And sometimes it's unfortunate that they're there. Sometimes yeah. the, the thought or the sentence even will continue in the next chapter and they stop it there. And when, when you read, it's a natural place to stop and it, you don't, your mind doesn't make the connection. Yep. Um, but that's not, so those aren't inspired. The words are inspired. The, the original words are inspired. Um, I think that's important. And, and one of the reasons why I'm cautious about um, like even recommending a red letter Bible and my preaching Bible is a red letter Bible. I actually like it, but I want to be cautious about recommending it because that is a, just like translations, that's a, um, it's a commentary. Mm -hmm. uh, there are passages that are not actually clear. Is Jesus speaking or or is is this so John chapter three, for example, is probably the most famous one yep. where clearly at the beginning Jesus is speaking, but then it it very much could be that John takes over and starts narrating. Right. But if it's in right. red, you just automatically assume, well, Jesus is saying these things. Yeah. And, and most of the time it's not an issue, right? Jesus, all the letters could be read, like right? Like we, we really <laughs> got inspired all of it. Yeah. Um but but when you're when you're reading the text, um, when whenever there's something like that, whether it's some of the punctuation or footnotes or verses or that's man puts that in. And so you have to be careful and discerning. I don't think it changes the meaning of the text. Um, I think that faithful scholarship has worked hard to not change the meaning of the word of the text. Mm -hmm. Um so even when there have been mistakes over time, and there have been, um, in translating the Bible, um, God has faithfully preserved his word through time so that it hasn't affected the, the, the overall meaning of Scripture. Like mm -hmm. um, the, the plan of salvation is still clear, yeah. <laughs> right? Like the, the, the meaning of the text is still clear or discernible through study through studying the original languages. Right. <laughs> My main issue with, well, obviously, you know, there's that whole movement of red letter Christians, but yeah. my, my usual issue with just reading a red letter Bible is that usually the, the color red that they use is usually not very good. It seems a little <laughs> undersaturated. And uh, for like the Sermon on the Mount, it becomes almost a physical challenge to read the, those passages in the red that they choose. Uh, or the, the like several chapters near the end of John. Yeah. It's like, so it's just, Jesus so, is just yeah, like, teaching in the upper room. Yeah. Open message to Bible printers. Go crimson, not pink red. Go just go full on crimson. The, the eyes of your audience will thank you. So the reason that I like it is part of this is just because uh, tradition from my own, you know, like I've had one forever. Um, part of the reason why I like it is, especially as I'm teaching, I can glance at the page and actually assume that Jesus wrote or Jesus said that. It's not always the case. And you have to be careful about that. But I can just look down and know exactly that Jesus is speaking in the Gospels uh, or I in think the book of Revelation. I think one of the things that would probably be good to remind people because of the way we tend to read the Bible or, and even the way we we preach through uh, books of the Bible, we tend to do that maybe a few verses at a time or maybe a chapter or maybe a few chapters at a time. But that's not really how pa Paul did not write, you know, first Corinthians chapter one and then send that. <laughs> and then a week later wrote chapter two 
Yeah. That's not, he wrote the whole letter. Right. And they got the whole letter and then they read out loud, probably the whole letter. Right. And we need to keep that in mind. Chapter numbers and verse numbers are great because I could sit here and say, hey, fellas, let's look up this book, this chapter, this verse, and we'd all be in the same place. That's really helpful. Yeah, super helpful. But we just need to recognize that's not what was going on 2000, you know, almost years ago. They're just writing a letter to somebody. The whole thing, the whole what we think of as the whole book. All at once, writing it all at once, sending it, they're getting it, they're reading the whole thing. And that can be a little bit of a problem if we just think it's just this. And then he stopped and then they'll meet again in a week and Uh read chapter two is not what happened. Right. So the the most radical Bible I have on my shelf is actually this multi-volume set. Uh, called Biblioteca. Now, so it it uses uh the um American Standard Version, which came out in the early twentieth century, um, and they they kind of modernized it a little bit because it does read a little King James Version ish. But one of the things I really like, and this is getting a little bit to the point of what you were saying, Steve, is that there are no chapter or verse divisions. So um, it reads, it looks like a novel on the page. So let me bring up here. Um, so this is Mark's gospel. And it just it it just looks like a regular printed book. Yep. And now that's not necessarily the, the thing I would recommend a new Christian do, like for your first read through of the Bible. But <laughs> if you're a Christian who who knows your Bible already and you just you just want to read the Bible, um, this has been a super interesting and immersive way to read the Bible that, that I've come to appreciate a lot. Um, so basically, unless you're trying to, trying to learn, you know, the, the chapter and verse on particular things, I, that has been a really interesting way to just get into the Bible again in, in sort of a fresh way through, you know, a big format, you know, this is a four volume Bible same print that goes into the, you know, a regular two column Bible that we'd read every day, but, um, yeah. but totally formatted differently and really reads like, like a, like a, like a novel, you know, like a, a regular printed book, just an interest, an interesting way to do things that again, you know, because of our age, the, the abilities that we have in printing and designing, uh, we can make something like this. I just think it's super, super interesting and helpful if, if you're using it properly. Yeah. Yeah. So one, um, this is actually more of a story than a question, um, but I'll ask it as a question. Do you guys know why, like why our pew Bibles are ESV? They probably predate them. Nope. Mm, Then I don't know. No, I don't. So um, because, because I, got wrapped up in the, again, this is not really necessarily a bad thing, but the the ESV marketing blitz, um, I was using the ESV when I came here. And I think probably most people were using NIV back then. Probably. And um, uh, I just kind of stuck to my guns and stuck with the ESV. Um, there were people that really wanted to use like the, um, the, What's the the living Bible? The new living Bible. There's a there's a, a more Bible-y living Bible. Remember not the, the, not, so the, not the Amplified Bible. The NLT. No, Is that what you're talking no, about? NLT, new Living yeah. Translation. New Living Translation. Yeah. that's what it's called. So it used to be called the Living Bible, and that was a paraphrase. The New Living Translation is like based on that paraphrase made into so, a version. It's easy to read. It's better than the Living Bible but yeah. it still is not great. Um, um, I think it's the NLT though, that in, in uh, Romans uh, 12, one um, says, uh, let God change the way that you think from that phrase, renewing your minds. I actually like that hmm. idea. I think it's what it means. 
um, that you change the way that you're that you think. That's what renewing your mind means. Anyway, that's a different hmm. story. Interesting. Um, so I had gotten into that as sort of a that was my that was my dynamic equivalent to the ESV. I used those two translations, but I stuck to the ESV. The more I've studied over the last decade or so, um, I, I really I really like the New American Standard. And I think that if I was to do it over again, I would have instead of instead of moved to the ESV, I would have stuck with the New American Standard. I think it's just that little bit, that little bit more accurate. Um, it, that's just a preference thing. Uh, the ESV is a good translation. I just find myself, especially in the Old Testament, sit, looking at the at the NASB, the NASB, and thinking, man, why did they? Like this ESV is just, it's so much better in the NASB, just the way that it's worded. I love um, the NASB. That's, yeah, I yeah. love it. And that and that's just a little thing for a pastor, someone who's regularly preaching to switch versions is actually kind of a big deal because I know that people have bought their Bibles based on what I use. <laughs> yeah. And and we bought like a hundred. But I know like to, to switch translations is kind of a big deal. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's that big a deal that we need to, but I think if I was going to do it over, that's what I would do. I really like the new American standard. Any, uh, any, any final thoughts before we ascend the library ladder? Do, do you have any, any, can we go in one other area? We probably don't have enough time and maybe we need to make this a second issue um the 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 idea of the king james and verses that aren't in other or they're footnoted oh, in other, oh man that's a whole it's a whole long topic but do you have any like opinions on the on king james version start there uh i think it that's uh, steve you go ahead <laughs> well, I, I think the challenge with that now is it's language that's so outdated that nobody talks like that. And I think that there are, it's fine if somebody has used that their whole life and they're just going to stick to their guns. I wouldn't be like, hey, you got to get off of that and move on to this or that. That's fine. But I definitely would not stand up and teach or preach from it. I think it, it it just there's there's so much better translations that are in modern English that are easier to understand and very faithful to the original languages that I I just think that it's just language does not stay the same. Yeah, I, and, I agree with you. It's true. Look, look, I, the, the 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 three guys sitting around talking about the things we talk about 150 years ago. It would sound very different than the conversations we have because language evolves mm -hmm. and, and and words go out of favor and come into fashion. And, and it just that's the natural course of events. And you're talking about a book that was written 400 years ago. A lot has changed since then. So I'm not going to pick on somebody if they really like it. That's fine. But it's it, it's not it's just. It's outdated. And there's better translations to use. And that that's not the only problem, but right there immediately for me, eh, I, I'm going to go to a different place just on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I like the King James. I have no problem with it as a Bible translation. I, I read novels that use that same language. So, the language itself is old. It doesn't bother me, but I know it would be difficult for some other people. Um, the other aspect of its outdatedness actually has to do with the textual uh, manuscript basis uh, that was used for the translation, what's often called the Textus Receptus. Um, there is, thanks to the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and some other manuscripts elsewhere, uh, like in Alexandria, Egypt, for example, there is now an older, older dated textual uh, family um, that is used now in the newer modern translations that are often called 
critical translations. Don't think critical theory, like critical race theory or things like that. <laughs> this is it's used because the 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 text that were used for the King James are is the Byzantine text family, obviously, you know, because of the Byzantine period. And so this this so these predate the Byzantine uh, text uh, tradition and there and there were some some differences not differences to the point that it would be, it would change doctrines but there are some uh some passages that don't occur in the oldest manuscripts that do occur in the Byzantine uh uh text family and so what has happened in the critical editions is they have still retained many of the um many of the the things that were found uh, in in the uh, in the Byzantine text, but they've either bracketed them or made a footnote that said this passage does not occur in the earliest manuscripts, and then that's really the right way to do it. I don't know that that's enough of a of evidence to strip them from the Bible at all. I I, I would have yeah. I'd have a hard hard time making that argument, um, but at and least acknowledging. Go ahead. And there's really only two major texts in the New Testament. It's the end of Mark. Um, so the very last dozen or so verses in the book of Mark and right in, um, in John, uh, at the end of John seven and into John eight, yeah. right mm -hmm. between those two chapters, it's the, the, woman the and it's just the, yeah, the woman caught in adultery. And then, and then other than that, there's just either a few words here or there. And the comma or, Johannium. Where, where's that? So that would, that would have been in first John. And that was that was a verse um, that was that would make blatant uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, um, where it says, um, you know, the water and the blood, right? Yeah. In First John five, I think. Right. Right. And that was that was actually omitted in the critical editions, um, yeah. so it, it was not reprinted. Um, and there's been consternation over that as to whether it was actually a scribal edition to try to make that because that verse is is unclear uh, to say to say the, yeah. the least uh it was thought to be a scribal addition almost like a parenthesis like this is what we're talking about um but um uh, but it was omitted from the critical editions which is interesting yeah so i'm glad i brought this up right at the end of the show <laughs> lee, lee could I not have used the word byzantine Clear as mud. <laughs> I would I would dig doing a whole episode on this. I don't know if anybody else would be interested, but I would be 110% interested. We should make it a part two. Part two. Oh, yes. Okay. Right, let's, hit, let's hit that ladder. Steve, what do you have? All right. I I Once again, I think I've said this about another book. We may have recommended this book before i don't remember but if we have it's so good it's worth recommending <laughs> twice it's simply trinity by matthew barrett it's uh whoop, whoop. really good it's going to take on some pretty significant doctrinal problems so some christological problems that are pretty popular out there and i'll let mr barrett explain that and get into that but if you want to really nerd out on some things when it comes to the trinity it, it's a great book i was just reading it earlier today to my grandson he loved it i'm not sure he got every bit of it but he hung on he was hanging on every word and it's it, it is really good it's it's one it's very timely because of some other voices out there in evangelicalism who are saying some things that are kind of a problem and trying to address that in a thoughtful way. So definitely add that to your reading list. Wasn't it RC Sproul that said basically any any uh doctrinal error can be traced back to an issue in that person's doctrine of God, how they how they see God. I, yeah, I'm butchering I the that, quote, but I, I don't know if he was the one I I don't know, but uh I think he's right yeah. that it comes down to we don't separate the rescuer from the rescue. Right. Problems right. one place yeah. always lead to problems in the other. Yes. All right. I'm going, I'm going to just go right ahead and say the NIV. I'm going to recommend the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Zonderman, the NIV Zonderman study Bible. 
Uh, again, I already talked about it, but uh, I'm not a fan of the NIV, but as a study notes, this is a really good study Bible. Um, and the NIV is okay. I'm just, I think it misses some things. Use it with your NASB. That would be perfect. But the NIV Zondervan study Bible, that's my recommendation. I was going to recommend a Bible as well. Since I already did one last week, I figured I'd continue going. And I think I may have socially pressured Dana into choosing one as well. But <laughs> I, I I actually have two Bibles. I've already held one of them up, the ESV Chronological Bible. This is a, a relatively new product from them. Just interesting. It's also um, it's also laid out um, in a uh, in a daily reading format, which is also kind of cool. Um, and so uh highly recommend that it's just interesting if you want to take that approach uh and then i was also talking earlier about premium bibles um dana's preaching bible is one from one of the major rebinders uh, rl allen i also have a a skyler uh quintel uh that's their their flagship uh bible so this is my new american standard in their um red brick goat skin uh, just a very nice two column. They also have their own text block where R.L. Allen will rebind uh, crossway text blocks. Uh, Skylar came up with their own. Uh, it's very nice uh, sewn binding. It's got that art gilt thing going on where the page edges are colored. Uh, just a very nice like it, 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 it it's all the bells and whistles. They're pricey, um, but this is a Bible that's going to last you know, two, three generations of daily use. Uh, it's not going to, and if, it, if something does fall apart, it's repairable. It's not just something you're going to chuck in the garbage because it's the glue and the binding hardened and, and fell apart. Um, it can be repaired if broken and it's going to last a long time. So, um, and, and made by believing craftsmen. Uh, and so that makes a, that makes a difference too at the price point. It's well worth uh, every cent uh, if it can be spared. So those are my, those are my recommendations. Right. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.